Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Holy shit, everyone. Welcome back. We are back. It feels good to be it, in this podcast studio. It actually does. I feel like, I mean, this is not a hot take. At the end of the year, everyone's always a bit jaded. Everyone's done. Everyone's takes are ice cold, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Liv and I are here to bring you the hottest of the hot takes oh, this week. That is absolutely our goal. Is that putting us or, on a bit of a pedestal? I mean... Bonafide favourite podcast. We're always on a pedestal. Thank and I you. think that, you know, self-esteem, high high self-esteem is good. Tall poppy who. Yeah. Tall poppy who is what we <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, happy new year, everyone listening. We're fucking so glad to be back. Also, Liv, I realised last year we didn't talk about, I think we'd finished Culture Vulture before talking about the fact that we were voted listener's choice in the podcast. Oh, yeah, no, we did. We we didn't even talk about that, so thank you. I know, I feel like that was like just a little blip on the radar, wasn't like, it? Well, that's not how we felt about it yeah. at all. We're fucking stoked. But, but it was just within the chaos of the end of the year. I will say, like, New Zealand Podcast Awards, if you're listening, maybe mute this. Maybe, maybe skip this bit. Because they're a bit random, the awards, right? Like, there's a pretty flawed system with... I could ask people in the newsletter to vote and we have the best fucking audience in the world that are like, I'm from America, I've probably never listened, let me give you a vote. Literally. We're self-aware that you all made this happen and we love you. Oh, absolutely. We're also self-aware that we're a fucking good podcast and deserve. Yeah, definitely a great podcast. But yeah, it's it's a new award system, isn't it? Maybe haven't found their feet yet. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Anyway. We'll um, take it. We will take it. We'll take whatever we can get. And thank you all for voting and please... Vote again next year. <laughs> um, Liv, first of all, I'm trying to remember how we usually do this thing. First of all, let's talk about, you know, what's coming up in the pod and then maybe what described our break. Our holiday. That's literally what I had written down because we usually, what describes your week? Yeah. What describes our holidays, which I'm actually really excited to hear about yours. Aw. Um, well, it's not good. Anyway, oh. um, well, well, it's not a good descriptor. Oh, yeah, no, fuck no. We, well, which we never do. But what are we talking about today? We are talking about Prince Harry's book and the fact that it got leaked and kind of all of the media around it. Yeah. So it's not going to be. Yeah, it's not going to be um, full royal no, like, we're not, background. And we're not. This isn't like us unpacking the entire royal system. Or Harry and Meghan even. No, because... That's just too hard basket for this episode. And that, honestly, like, who gives a fuck that much about the royals? But we did think that the book is a small section of the story that we can actually go into without having to do a fucking eight-part. <laughs> eight-part series on the yeah. royals, which definitely exists in really meaningful ways. Exactly. Everywhere. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to talk about, uh, Liz, I made a comment about cancel culture on Twitter the other okay. day. And then I've sort of been in my new in a new era um, about how I feel about the internet and things like that. So I thought we might just have a wee chat about that for normal love that. You thought you were going to say a new Maddie Healy era. No. Oh, my God, love. You've already ruined it. So I made – okay, I made myself a deal that um, until – the on my radar section of this, I was not allowed to talk about Maddie oh, Healy. Like, God. for my own Well, you good. made, like, an internal deal no, with yourself. and I wrote it on my script. <laughs> I was like, loose, no Maddie Healy until on my radar. So everyone, strip him. Well, I fucking got, we went out for, like, breakfast as, like, a kind of meeting, you know, start of the Starting year, year, ease ourselves in. And go see Loose. haven't seen her all summer. She's wearing a shirt that says, I hate Maddie Healy, with a huge fuck-off picture of his face on the back. And I was just like, you have not changed. No, thank God. Yeah. I was just like, I, I need to make this everyone's problem, more so than, like, if you go on our TikTok, it's all Maddie Healy. Oh, I can't my stop. God. It feels like when I ran the One Direction Twitter, yeah. 
But now it's like, well, if more people, you know, find out about us on TikTok, then they'll come and read news. And that's good for everyone. I'm like fucking validating it in my stupid little brain. The Trojan horsing. I'm Trojan horsing. Mm -hmm. Like everything. But um, if you, you know, if you do come across our TikTok and you don't read the newsletter... I don't know. Make that work in your heads and come read the newsletter. Yeah, that's all I'm trying to say. And now we've talked about Maddie Healy. He sucked someone's thumb on um, tour last night. Oh, my God. And, like, God. I hate how hot it was. <laughs> We're not talking about that. It's not even on my fucking script, Lucy. Like, rain it oh in. Oh, my God. I saw it. I breezed through the newsletter this morning because Love I was... That quickly got into the office early to quickly do some more research on Harry because a lot is unfolding and I saw that headline and I just was like Liv don't even fucking read it right now you don't have time but it did intrigue me the best the best thing is Liv I didn't write a single thing I gave that headline I put the video and I didn't write a single thing so you're fine thank god and I just was like, I don't need to give the people an explanation for this. Oh my God, no. Anyway, so um, what describes... <laughs> so, Maddie Healy aside, which probably describes my break, taking a break from Maddie Healy. Yeah. Maybe that's <laughs> yeah, what... Forcing yourself kind to of take did. a break from Maddie Healy. Um, what describes your holiday, your break? Well, my break was very much in, like, sections, mm. I think. So... I mean, I didn't have one overarching thing that described yeah. it, but it was sort of like sections of different adventures yeah so went home did the whole christmas thing super chill like it's always just like me mum and dad like nuclear Mm -hmm. family Mm -hmm. a lot of um watching tv on the sofa and reading books so that was lovely and then went to my friend well one of our best friends she has a batch near a lake up north and well it's not even up north to us, yeah. South Islanders. <laughs> um, place with totally off the grid, mm. no electricity, like no showers, just a bio loo. Mm-hmm. It was just fucking amazing. Like as always, I went there last year as well. The, well, the year before last. And just feeling my brain properly unwind mm. for literally the first time, I think, in the year mm-hmm. was just so amazing and then you always have those experiences and you're like I want to carry on doing these things in my day-to-day life like things like reading my books like just makes me feel so much better like going for swims being in nature like you can do these things Mm -hmm. in your day-to-day life but it is just hard when you live in a city to get that spacious feeling but fuck the girl moving to London I know I know I know I know I know I know it literally made me feel like live don't move to a city yeah move to the fucking countryside a hundred percent maybe I will great public transport yeah environment go off absolutely so that was sensational went skinny dipping for new year's love just like beer pong tournaments yeah it was great and then I went up to the Coromandel and there was a fucking huge storm. We were in a tent, got absolutely fucked up by the weather, had to go home early, almost got stuck by flooding, and then ended up fucking going down to Napier and taking a seven-hour bus home. Anyway, that was all a bit hectic, but it was a fantastic holiday. And there was no car breakdowns. No car breakdowns. It was a missing car. There was car drama and the fact that I gave my car to someone else and then I was stuck with no car and so that random. was fantastic I was gonna but say that would have really rounded out the holiday if your bus broke down on the way oh my god I know honestly but nah it was fucking good how about you I had a very it wasn't similar in the way that it was, it was split into a few different adventures but it was like I also went to a lake that's off grid mm-hmm. you have to bike to get to the toilet you so have good. to shower in the lake you know like shave your legs down by the lake whatever yeah and did feel my brain as well just when all there is to do is read books and color in it's just hot take real good for you real good do you find, like it's a physical feeling. Like yeah. you can feel like that kind of city irritability oh. leave. And and you're just I think it helps because we grew up in the South Island yeah. where it's like obviously we are built different. We're not built for cities. No. And yeah, I, I felt the exact same. I was and then I always think like what is so fucking wrong with the world that like this isn't how you always feel? No, always. But then I was like, be realistic, Luce. A hundred percent. Got to make do. money somehow. You have those really like 
out of life yeah. experiences yeah. where you're kind of like you take stock about like fucking hell like I get why people live on communes yeah, like you know, I yes. always go a little bit too far we had that discussion at the lake we were like shall we start a commune we're all feeling better than we ever have this mm. year like what is going on but anyway but then then I'm always like to be honest, I'm always phoenixing when I'm working. Yeah, so yeah. And I, then you do get that itch to, like, use your brain yeah. and, like, do something, right? And, like, I always – I honestly always feel like we're the luckiest people in the world because when we feel the need to make something or do something, we can actually put it somewhere. Yeah. Which I know isn't that healthy because you should be able to do it for yourself. Yeah. But for me, I only feel fully rounded out when I've, like, written something or – read something being able to share it and you know that it's gone off into the yeah. world and you know that people are interacting yeah. with it instead of it sitting there which like which is why I need to start journaling because I yes. need to that's actually a new year's resolution a little bit for me new year's quest is like do something learning how no to do one things else sees. just for yourself because I don't know about you I feel like you're actually very good at this but when I'm constantly putting things out it can like I don't know I have this weird complex with it where I'm like am I doing this for like attention or am I doing this like to serve people and that's cool but like there's just a lot of factors when it comes to the job we do I guess oh a hundred well it's like it's it's good that I can do it because of my job but it's not good in terms of like being a person a person I didn't sing for five years and then oh put me on stage and I'll sing it's like yeah like you can actually do stuff for yourself other people don't Sick. Yeah, it's like when I paint and I'm like, do I like put this on social media? Yeah. Like, or can't yeah. I just keep it for myself? But then like, art's meant to be seen. Yes. It's this really strange, like... Oh, God. Yeah. It's like um, getting into a really deep um, podcast episode that we could do that's sort of like separating the art and the artist, a real just like existential podcast. A hundred percent. Maybe we should do that yeah, before like, I leave. Why do you, why do you create? Why do you create? And like... Getting comfortable with not sharing your creations yeah. and having it for you. I don't know. Wow. I feel like that's actually just been a real unlucky conversation about yeah. things I haven't really thought that deeply about. Yeah. Surprise. Yeah. Like, surprisingly, <laughs> haven't thought that deeply about it. Well, you you must have because you've got yeah. a lot to say. Yeah, I know. But you know how I don't have an inner monologue? Yeah. So I don't know so when you I think just, things. You figure it out. Whereas like I'm like deciphering for hours and then like packaging it up and putting it out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> maybe that's why I need to write a journal to yeah. figure out what I'm actually thinking about. Fuck Yeah. Anyway, therapy session. Jesus anyway, fucking Christ. So if you're if you're like me, start journaling, or if you're like Liv, um, start putting stuff out into the world and feeling good about it. Yeah, and not feeling guilty. Yeah, yeah. Not oh, judging yourself. Problem solved. And Literally. we're the only two types of people in the world as well. So everyone, your face. <laughs> Hopefully, you can hear sarcasm in that. But you can because this is a podcast and not a newsletter where you can't read tone. Exactly. Um, so I don't know my holiday. Uh, what describes my holiday? A break. Yeah. It was a break. Yeah. No, and then I had this thought. Surprisingly, I know that this is a thought because I tweeted it, and that's how I know that <laughs> it was in, in a monologue that came out of me. But, um... Just okay. a different creature, No. You? Honestly, I'm just, like, fucked in the head. No. Like, actual. Not at all. But it's, it's good for the job. Fucking fantastic. So, a break, right, is spelled mm. break. B-R-E-A-K. Yeah. But then, is it called a break because you're, like, putting the brakes on? On your life. But that's spelt B-R-A-K-E. So why is it not spelt taking a B-R-A-K-E? Well, it could be, but then I guess a break as in, like, say you've got a line yeah. and then there's a break in it. Oh, okay. I so the gap like between things. It's the gap between things. Because I was really like, you could either see it as pushing the brakes yeah. and then taking a break. Like, I wasn't even high or anything. I was just thinking about these words. Yeah, like, well, fair enough. These aren't wording. That's, and then do you visualize this when you're thinking about this yeah. in your head? I, when like, you were saying, when you were explaining take a break before you said picture a line. I'm literally doing. picturing, like, when you said that, take like a break, like a B-R-A-K-E, like someone's foot on a yes, break same. in a car. And then, Same. like, yeah. the world's slowing down. Yeah. But, yeah, it's always in my head been a break, a gap. A break in something. That yeah. makes so much sense. You've just solved – you've just actually solved that. Because okay. that's why I love crosswords is because yeah. <laughs> sometimes you have to think about one in thing very in, different like, three way. different ways. Yeah. It's really good for your brain. So true. It's like this thing is, like, here, and then you've got, like, a 3D or, like – 
perspective yes, around yeah. it and you have to like move Pick, yourself yeah. around that thing yeah. and see it from different angles. When you were saying that, I was picturing like we're we're building a new website at the moment and we have these like fucking sick like little 3D. I'm yeah. picturing a Trump head that's like like yeah moving around. Head, like, moving around. Anyway, that's a little bit of a um Easter egg. No, not an Easter egg. Kind breadcrumb. of yeah, breadcrumb. We've got a new website coming. True. Everyone's going to be dope. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my holiday was just taking a break and all those existential things, obviously, existential <laughs> things that I obviously I saw that, I mean, we're probably going to talk about this when we get to On Our Radar, but I saw you consumed a shitload of stuff. Like, I read your newsletter yeah. about, like, everything you kind of yeah. took in through the break. I didn't listen to, like, a single album. You listened to fucking, like, ten. Well, um, this bitch had two eight-hour car rides on oh, her own yeah. and also she gets bored like that so I was basically just anything to keep me occupied while I was so riding. true whereas I wasn't alone the entire yeah. time and I was alone the entire time yeah wow yeah I consumed a lot and um we'll talk about that in on my radar but first I'm just gonna really quickly do our naughty or nice because I know we've accidentally launched into we obviously had a lot so to many fucking topics so many things so my naughty or nice, and I wrote about it in the newsletter this morning, is um, Lizzo did this tweet, right, about cancel culture. And then it just made me think about a few things. Well, not actually think about a few things. Just reiterate what we always say. Mm-hmm. But I'm, like, really feeling it this year. So Lizzo tweeted, This may be a random time to say this, but it's on my heart. Cancel culture is appropriation. There was, a, there was real outrage from truly marginalised people, and now it's become trendy, misused, and misdirected. Ah. Oh. I hope we can phase out of this and focus our outrage on the real problems. Now, would I have said it the exact same way as Lizzo? Like, probably not, but it's a tweet, right? So if you've got a problem with the tweet, like, whatever, that's not really what the crux of this convo is about because you get 280 characters or whatever in the tweet. Absolutely. But the line that was, there was real outrage from truly marginalised people and now it's become trendy, misused and misdirected, just hit me through the heart. I was Mm -hmm. like, yes. Obviously, it's not even a hot take, but, like, Liv and I talk all the time about how cancel culture is actually a waste of time because it usually ends up with the left fighting the left and then all the people doing actual bad, fucked-up things just can keep going on Mm -hmm. with their day and their bad, fucked-up things, the Andrew Tate's of the world or whatever – because we're too busy pulling someone up for something that, yes, they've said it to 7 million people. You've probably accidentally said it in your real life, but it just hasn't gone to 7 million people. Oh, I just think we all need to zoom out a little exactly. sometimes. Just zoom out of our lives, yeah. zoom out of our conversations, yeah. and actually see what we're yeah. fucking like putting our time into. Exactly. And I just, I just felt like it was a bit of like kind of the era I'm in this year. And yeah. I'm just kind of like... Yeah, zooming out, not being afraid, I think, yes. to say, like, hey, let's just take a take a breath. Yeah. And who's this helping? Yes. And who's this hurting? And, like, as we always say, like, there is still nothing in place where, like, someone that's done something wrong can atone and then we're like, you're, you're, yeah, that's fine. That's what we wanted. It's still just like you wanting to call someone out and not wanting them to actually do anything about it. You just want to call them out and that's Do you it. think it's people just feeling a total lack of control over, like, the actual big issues? Yeah, probably. And prob- then so yeah. then they yeah. try to control these kind of minuscule things. That to feel they, like they're doing something. Yeah, exactly. Which you is, can see. You can see why that happens. Yeah. But, again, we have the choice to do that. Yeah. And it is the helping or hurting thing yes I know always yeah and and so and it's this thing where like online specifically Mm. people are actually rewarded like Mm. with likes and with algorithm boosts and with dopamine for misinterpreting or for taking your tweet or whatever in the worst possible way in the wrongest possible way you're rewarded for doing that so we've been taught for a few years now that like oh, if I pick what's wrong in this and I dunk on this person, I'm going to get a few likes. I'm going to feel real good about myself. And I'm just like, I'm sick of people being rewarded for calling someone out for things that they probably do in their, like, day-to-day lives. And I also think, like, having to make a million caveats, um, like, before you say right or do something, 
really makes writing really bad and it makes conversation really hard and if you know that someone's intentions if you know this person that you're talking to and and, and or reading from Mm. and you know what their intentions are don't try to misinterpret it to dunk on them just purposefully trying to misinterpret it and purposefully trying to pick holes and holding things to like this either a hundred percent or zero percent standard yeah and yeah. again, it's nothing new, no. but it's kind of just the way that, like, I no longer feel. I used to, there was a period where I felt really scared. Yes, to write or do or say anything. Because then it means like when you caveat things, like do a fucking hundred caveats before you write. It's coming from a place of fear. Yes, and then your whole piece of writing or conversation yeah. is stemming from that fear. And I know that us doing this job, there's a lot of fear that comes with talking about these big things and probably getting a lot of things wrong. But, like, we can't continuously come at things from a place of fear. Oh, yeah, I know, because then it just doesn't – it takes a lot of meaning out of the thing when you're constantly, like, here's four paragraphs about me and, like, all my values laid out in a list – and, and maybe this is probably different um, when you're talking to your own community that know you like we are versus when you are talking to people that you know don't know you and mm. it's going to end up like maybe if you're in the New York Times or the news or like like on TV, whatever, it's probably a bit different. Yeah. But I don't know. I was just like, go off Lizzo yeah. for saying that. And I think one of the really interesting points of that tweet is the whole trend thing and how social media thrives off of trends, whether that be fashion, whether that be what books we're reading and whether that be political opinions. Mm. And then so by us putting information on social media like we have done with Shit You Should Care About, right, to try and spread good information, that also makes media trending and and learning about the world trendy. trendy and then you go on TikTok and it's just created all of these trending opinions about the world which is a really interesting yeah. concept opinions becoming trendy is is odd is is really odd and it's like it's anything from what we're about to talk about with Harry to euphoria to how every single celebrity should feel about every single topic going on in the world. Like, it's 2020 in a nutshell, right? And we've tried to really come back from that by doing a newsletter, which is like, let us give you more context and, like, show you what the BBC thinks and, like, show you what The Verge thinks about tech or, like, show you what other people think. And then, like, we got a comment on Instagram today that was like, you only talk about this um, when it's really bad and when like you're gonna get likes or whatever and I was like okay I actually talked about the good side of this like three months ago in the newsletter where you can get way more context and you've Mm. just chosen to only get your shit from social media yeah I can't be there to do your learning for you for everything and I was just like we I don't know we're out here doing our best and trying to learn and we've learned so much that for sure it can be really frustrating to see like people try to misinterpret yeah not take that responsibility upon themselves Yes, there are corporations like us. We're not even a corporation. No. There, yes, there are homies like us. Yeah, people <laughs> like us, right, trying to do this, and, and this is our job, and this is how we make a living. But also, we can't spoon-feed you everything. And we give you credit to know – like, anyone listening to this, like, you're all smart and mostly smarter than us. So it's like, I think giving your audience credit Absolutely. in our community is huge to mm. know that they're not actively going to try and misinterpret everything we say to dunk on us. Mm. But I think maybe we're speaking – well, we're speaking to our echo chamber, which is – obviously the best echo chamber to be speaking to yeah and like this whole podcast is ironic because we've just spent 10 minutes talking about this right which is almost wasted time but it's not because because we are talking about how people interpret our information which is taking away from the information itself yeah because it's become this whole politicized thing of how you ingest information yeah it's, it's just, just yeah i i don't know something about it wasn't even the tweet. It wasn't mm. even Lizzo saying that. It was more like this has sparked something in me that I didn't know I was feeling to this yeah. degree. And then I was like, we should talk about this on Culture Just sick of it and now feeling actually brave. Yeah, I feel like we're feeling brave. Yeah. I actually feel like when we did last year's wrap-up compared to the year before, that was the takeaway for me was how much braver we got in yeah. tackling harder things. Absolutely. And knowing that we didn't need an answer and we just needed to be like asking these questions and helping people 
like figure out how they feel about things. Yeah. And just like opening and, space yeah. rather than like coming to a definite opinion. Conclusion. Yeah. So anyway, um that's that's nice. I think that's nice because Maybe you feel the same way. Maybe you feel like the internet's moving into a better place or maybe you feel like you can help it move into a better place by not dunking on everyone. I do too. And it's nice that a tweet like that with, what, 280 characters, did you say, can spark such a big conversation about so many things happening online and in the real world. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Right now. And then, just as a last as a last point to make on this it is often or always often or almost there's me caveating um people that have taken the brunt of this misdirected anger that then have to come out and be brave and be like hey cancel culture's fucked up and then deal with all the reply guys in their comments and all the like, consequences of being yeah. authentic and speaking yeah. out yeah anyway that's um that's that now something way lighter <laughs> i don't actually not even not even lighter at all um let's talk about harry not even harry's book nah the, the release the release the excerpts we've had or we've had translated from spanish which means we to put it at the very beginning we don't have the perfect excerpts no um which is something to note that translations from one language to another lack nuance just by nature Mm -hmm. so everything we're reading right now i mean the book's released today tomorrow so we're taking this all from excerpts yes so we are talking about prince harry's book spare and you may wonder why the fuck is it called spare literally about to ask you yeah did you know no so spare is actually kind of a quote from prince charles and i think that it's used within the monarchy but it's kind of like a fucked up thing is the whole thing that Harry is the spare to William. Oh. Like William's the heir yeah. and, and Harry's the spare. spare. And I think it's... You said that's so British because Liv's from the UK. Yeah. So I'd say spare. William's the heir and Harry's the spare. Yeah. <laughs> William's the heir and Harry's, Harry's the, the spare. spare. So he's oh, the spare. Oh, for the throne, basically. Yeah. And I think that that is how he feels he's been treated in his family and it's how he's been treated by the media. Mm. And Wow, so, I did not know that's why it was called Spear. No, I know, because when I first read it, I was like, what the fuck? Spear what? Yeah. yeah, and like the book is pretty blatant. Its cover is just a picture of Harry's face real f- close up. <laughs> it's like becoming Michelle Obama. But it's very much, very much so. And so it was meant to be released today, but it was leaked a couple of days ago. And we'll talk about what this means for the book a little bit later. But basically the book is kind of a tell-all about his family, about his life, about the royal clan and how it's affected him and like the trauma he's been through. And it's quite personal Mm -hmm. from what we've gathered from the excerpts. Oh, my God. It's, like, bordering on too personal. Yeah, and this is, like, because it's been, like, memefied. Yeah, to death. To death. And it's just so interesting because the guy that Ghost wrote his book is a guy called J.R. Moringer. And this is his third autobiography that he's ghostwritten. So most autobiographies are ghostwritten. And that doesn't mean that it's not authored by Prince Harry. It means that these people have these stories of their lives, but they're not a writer. And so these ghostwriters, the main job, I've been reading a little bit about ghostwriters. There's some interesting kind of articles about the art of ghostwriting. And they say that 50% of the job is taking yourself out of the story. So you have to have a very flexible ego. That's what, like, people have been kind of quoting in their their articles about it. But, yeah, all about kind of, like, taking yourself totally out of it and you putting yourself in the shoes of the person whose life it is. And some people, like, 
hang out with them 24-7, like shadow them in their life, whereas some people have like one proper conversation and then just email them or like whatever. People have very different ways to go about it. But this guy has written two really famous autobiographies. One is Andre Agassi's Open. Haven't you read that? Which I've read like, yeah, like probably, I don't know, when I was a teenager. And it was really, really good. I don't know why the fuck I remember that you read Yeah, that. I know. It's probably because I fucking wanked on about it for <laughs> years. <laughs> and then he's also written Phil Knight's autobiography, which is the guy who made Nike. Oh. And so they're two, like, really big, really, really successful books. Mm. And Andre Agassi's book was really good. And I think one of the reasons why it was really good was because it was so personal. Mm. And it went into, like, it was entertaining. Mm -hmm. And it went into his thoughts and feelings and his relationships and everything kind of under the sun. And that's fine for a tennis player. No one has an issue about that with a tennis player. As soon as it's about Prince Harry, and we're not used to getting that sort of detail about the royals, people think it's cheap which I think mm, that's so interesting really interesting because he is held and this is what I've really been realizing about this kind of media frenzy around him right now is he is being held by like everyone to this crazy standard of all of these things about the royal family that people say they don't like like the mystique and yes. you know people not being open and us not actually knowing what they do and where the taxpayer money is going mm. And who they are as people, but they're running the country. But then as soon as we get personal details about them, we take the piss. That's so true. And like, I haven't read the book as it hasn't come out yet. Yeah. But But I would be really interested to see. We, again, are taking these tiny little snippets like about him losing his virginity and like getting spanked and shit like that. That seems so inappropriate. But you don't know the context of the story. Like these things are often written I don't know they are for entertainment purposes and as like, well to keep people in the book also I just, it's just so true that you're like well we ask and ask and ask to know more about these institutions that we've never known shit about unless mm-hmm. the tabloids who, tabloids who they're working in cahoots with mm-hmm. release something that now that we get it it's like why are we complaining like, go back into your little royal box yeah where you're not allowed to actually be a person who has sex and yeah does and like remember when william got and- paid allegedly yeah. like maybe he should write a book about that and then see how the media reacts <laughs> it, just, it just is such a strange standard that we hold these people who are human beings to yeah especially the royals because it's just this weird institution that's so fucked and like low-key boring as yeah that and people run, are obsessed with run off of oppression yeah. and repression and keeping people in themselves it's just so interesting to me that this is how we're reacting also just like they plotted or helped like almost and this is going to sound really um like wild but like you know almost killed megan like she literally had to get help for suicidal ideation and i'm like How do we always just miss that? I know, and it's so interesting. There are so many opinion pieces about this and so many. I don't know even whether they're pro-royalist, but they're just anti-Harry and Meghan. And there's excerpts about, like, this person saying about how he is blaming everyone for, you know, the shit that is going on in his life, like blaming the institution, blaming the media. And like this is the tone that they take. The institution, in fucking quotation marks, is blamed for isolating the couple when they were increasingly operating in an us-against-the-world silo. The male is even blamed for Megan's miscarriage. Like as though, oh my God, like they're just blame, 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 blaming. They're putting the blame on the, like, on the media for Megan's miscarriage. It's like, you fucking try, have this amount of press about you. And, like, people have miscarriages due to stress. And, like, even if that bit's, like, that just feels like the male trying... That just feels like them throwing an extra... Trying to throw an extra point in there to discredit them, right? Absolutely. But it's like, sorry, we've been taught our whole lives to, like, feel a type of way and then look for where it comes from so that we learn how to process emotions. Where the fuck else is this coming from like if it's not the institution if it's not his mum dying due to it if it's not his wife needing mental help due to it it's not what growing else they- up in this really weird weird family where you're 
running the country due to your bloodline. Yeah. Oh, it's just so... They're not actually running the country. They're not even But like, you know, they're the face of the country, I guess. They're on the coins and stuff, I guess. So (laughs) back to the book. Anyway. Back to the book. uh, Why did he even write this book? And this is what a lot of people are saying. Man's got to pay his bills. Why did you write this book when you're obsessed with talking about how your privacy has been ruined and now your privacy is going to be even more ruined? Which I understand there is a point to the fact that he is now opening up about like the very personal details of his life, which is going to decrease his privacy. But there is an element of taking that back. His privacy was long gone. His privacy was gone when he came out the womb. Literally. Like, when him and William are filmed attending their mother's funeral. Yeah. That I would say the privacy is basically, like, it's been taken from him. Yeah, like, so. he can't, he, he will never be able to disappear. No. So why not take the narrative? But basically what he said was that every single time I've tried to do it privately in terms of talking to his family and all of that sort of shit. Um, There have been briefings and leakings and plantings of stories against me and my wife. Mm. So that's why Distrust has been sown since probably before Diana, but definitely post-Diana. And so, like, why would he trust them with his narrative? Like, the one thing he has? Yeah, absolutely. That and his family? And there's also murmurs that Megan might be writing a book Oh, well, about why not marriage and fully rounded out? <laughs> yeah, look, they've done Oprah. They've got a Netflix series, podcast, and yeah, there's a lot of people saying they are running the story into the ground and that you can only tell your story once. But like, who's to say that? Like, yeah. there's no laws around telling your story, and like, they honestly, they do need to make money. They have a huge security detail they have to pay. Like, they're living a lavish life. Let's be real. They actually, and if all they have is their story, I mean, we've seen this happen with, like, so many other people. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds really funny because I don't actually care that much either way. Yeah. I care more about, like, the media and the way that, like, the what media, you're talking about. What and, you're talking about, I do care yeah, about. Yeah, and, like, the relationship that the media has with the royals. Yeah. And the fact that the royals, like, yes, although they don't run the country, or who even fucking knows what they do, but, like, <laughs> they still have power. Yeah. Oh, they 100%. still have a lot of power with, like, who the British see themselves mm. as, and they are the ones that are meant to be a reflection of the British people. Mm. And the important shit here is that some articles have gone into about how we're just so obsessed with all of this, like, the more shallow stuff, like him losing his virginity, the arguments between Megan and Kate about lip gloss or dresses or whatever. Like, we're fixated on this, whereas the book could actually open the doors into the fooling of the monarchy. Yeah. Because people have totally lost trust well, people are losing trust in the monarchy. But then, like, a lot of people are choosing to not even look into that when that is the point of this whole book. And it'll be, like, in 20 years' time, they'll look back when the monarchy is probably in shambles or just no one gives it. Because no one in our generation gives a shit about the monarchy, right? Then they'll look back and there'll be all these good think pieces about how that book led to this. And it's like, well, here we are at the time. We're showing you what we've all cared about in the tiktok generation of people taking snippets of things that they find funny but then, i kind of like that because it is because we actually don't give a fuck about that's the true royals. that's actually taking the weight out yeah. of the royals so but for us that's fine yeah for people like in our parents generation that when they only care about the tablet this yeah. is such a fucking like me being like, yeah, for our generation, that's fine because we don't give a fuck. But for the people that actually really like the royals and they just want to, like, take the piss. Yeah. And for, like, actually understanding society from maybe a more, not even academic standpoint, but, like, understanding society and the role that the royals have had yeah. historically and how that is now still operating today. Like, yeah, it is interesting and it is relevant. Yes, but then the more we focus on it, the more power we give the royals. So it's like a double-edged yeah. sword. I don't even know. But basically what was interesting was the leaking of this book. Yeah. And do we know a definitive, like, it was leaked in Spanish. Do we think the publicists, like, this was part of 
So there was a lot of people kind of insinuating that this could be a publicity stunt, but people have very much been dismissing this and saying um, that it would actually be really embarrassing for the publisher because it shows that they can't handle a massive worldwide release without it leaking. So this was kind of like the autobiography, the book of the year, basically. And so the publishers would have wanted it and they would have wanted to show that they were very capable of Mm. handling this sort of release and they weren't. But then... Mm. The publishers also want to make a fuck ton of money, yes. right? So it's like um, it's like TikTok musicians throwing their managers under the bus yes. and being like, my manager's making me put this on TikTok. Yeah. I don't want to just so the song yeah. makes more money. Absolutely. No, yeah, for sure. Everyone is saying like, that this is really good publicity for the book. It's like, like you never know what's to, true. To buy it, probably not that good publicity. For him. And like there was, you know, what's good for the publisher is not necessarily good for the person that wrote it because the publisher doesn't actually give a fuck about the person that yeah. wrote it. They're making money and they're wanting hype. Yeah. And if that's at the expense of someone's personal life, then so be so it. Dog eat dog world out yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, people are thinking that it wasn't actually the strategy, but yes, it isn't harming the sales. Like Everyone's yeah. talking about it. Yeah. It's making me want to buy the book. Same. Because it's making me want to not rely on the snippets and the headlines and the TikToks. I want to, like, read it firsthand so I can make my own opinion rather than, like... And then other people will read the headlines and then just be intrigued because they want the gossip, which is also fair. Like Trojan horsing. Yeah. I learned something about how fucked up, like, the drawings are. absolutely. So they're pretty happy that it's, like, dominating the headlines. Yeah. And I know that you have some headlines say, for us, Liz. Yeah. Um, okay. These are just some of the headlines. And then I also have like some of the claims that okay. I didn't see in headlines, but I saw be written about. Mm-hmm. So Harry opens up about losing virginity to older woman behind pub. And the new headline. Horse-loving ex-model, six years older than Harry, denies she is the old woman who took his virginity behind a pub by posting photo of ginger nut biscuits and saying they are... The only ones I've ever touched. Oh my God. There's no punctuation in that. It's a Daily Mail, obviously, which is why I read it like I was drowning. Yeah. <laughs> running out of breath. William knows he's a punch bag for Harry. He's silent but burning inside. Oh, my God. Okay, this is CNN, and they literally look like the part of the internet that I hate. Um, the royal family's silence is deafening as Prince Harry's damaging new book leaks. Like, I hate when people on Instagram or whatever call, like, are like, your silence on this topic that you know nothing oh, about is deafening. Deafening. Like, no, That's 2020 no, no. to me in a nutshell, mm-hmm. that um, headline. Harry claims William and Kate encouraged him to dress up as a Nazi. <laughs> the story's ridiculous. I know. Prince Harry jabs at Prince William's alarming hair loss. Um, Prince Willie beat Harry's ass so bad he broke his necklace. The, to be fair, these these two are from Gorka, who okay. are like kind like real. They'll just don't give a fuck. Yeah. Prince Harry memoir spills secrets. He murdered twenty five people, and William watched Suits in one headline. Like, like that's like a satire headline, just so everyone knows. But it's also like again, both totally out of context. Yeah. Like. Like, there's a lot of things about him killing 25 people well, in Afghanistan. I, that's kind of like an actual interesting point that mm-hmm. in the book will have more context and will be like good to read and for us to all understand what it's like to go to war. Yeah. And like, you know, absolutely. And there's not like, really what it's like, but. like two kind of, I read a couple of different opinion pieces on this one from like, ex kind of high up older ex soldiers that are like this is a travesty this is disgusting he's gone and thrown his blood family in the bin and now he's doing the same with like his military family which is so unfair and super patriotic yeah and super like we don't talk like that we don't talk about the deaths and the, the things that happen at war but then there's another soldier who is kind of more Harry's age and was actually in the same war as him saying 
that that is an old school line of thinking and that that is a whole nother way to like keep this mystique around war and that that is actually how what Harry was saying in the book is relevant to how they train you to think about people he says something about seeing people as chess pieces because you can't see them as humans yeah because then you can't do your job which is like it's so interesting that you've like and that's great research and getting the soldiers and a younger one and an older Mm. one because we know that young people value authenticity and transparency way more than we value most other things. And that's like how we see the world getting better is like, okay, well, if we know that this is going on, then maybe when people our age are in charge, hopefully, of some things, we're like, okay, we don't go and fight a war like this. You know, that's the only way things change. Yeah, whereas like the older people are all about saving the institutions Mm. and protecting protecting in quote marks people from knowledge that would upset them and would cause riots or Mm. or whatever but it's like obviously that hasn't really been working for us Mm. and obviously the people that fought in the older wars like they would have had a much more fucked up like experience with you know we now as fucked up as it is we have technology that makes you a bit more removed from maybe who you're killing and so these I see what the old soldier's saying where he's like we don't talk about this it's probably because it was fucking traumatizing traumatizing and and, and like they're not proud of it and and apparently like you're not meant to say anything about this to civilians let alone taking it to like the wider public and I mean, this whole conversation yeah. is something that you can do a PhD on. Yeah. You know? Like, there's so many nuances yeah. to this conversation, and there's no right or wrong in terms of us forming an opinion yeah. about this right here. We but won't be. An interesting sort of spin that the yeah. media is taking. That's really interesting. Kind of good um, to the journalists that got um, the different soldiers in. Mm-hmm. Um, some other claims, quite a few, just so you all know, like the breadth or the width or whatever how far this has gone Mm. harry claims william once physically attacked him during a fight about megan harry says he killed 25 taliban members while fighting in afghanistan that's what we were just talking about harry recalls losing his virginity at 17 in a field behind a pub harry claims he once did mushrooms at courtney cox's house (laughs) so this one was interesting because apparently he went to her house and had a big crush on courtney cox because he was a friend's fanatic um and he didn't really have the guts to like tell her and then he drank heaps of tequila and like ate some what did you say got high off black diamond mushroom chocolates right okay um harry says he and william asked charles not to marry camilla harry regrets watching megan's suits sex scenes and claims that will and kate were huge fans of the show despite what you may have read prince harry is circumcised Um, Harry claims Kate and Megan fought after Megan made a comment about Kate's baby brain in the lead up to her wedding. Harry describes William's baldness as alarming. That's one I saw heaps. Um, Harry once theorised that Princess Diana had faked her own death. I think this is interesting because, like, people forget that Harry is, like, a traumatised kid and must have these weird like coping mechanisms or like fucked up things the amount of trauma to one even have your mother pass away ever yeah <laughs> let alone period. at such a young age in front of the public yeah the public speculating that your wider family had something to do with it like this it's is a level that shouldn't of, be forgotten yeah but all of these headlines show what i mean i guess this is a cycle as to what we're interested in but also what the media is trying to make us interested in. Mm. And again, us focusing on basically bullshit. And I'm really hoping that the book says more than this. Like, I'm really hoping. Like, where are the articles about the monarchy? Where are the articles about the politics? Like... I mean, and, and like, are the British media that are writing about this in, in like, ties with, the with them so then they don't writing... write about it and they're making us like, focus on... about a circumcision instead. Or William's like... boldness. Like, yeah. who the fuck cares? Yeah. It's just interesting. It is. The media side of it is so interesting. And obviously, like, we will go and read the book yeah. and then we can, you know... I actually really do want same. to read this I really book. want to read the book. Yeah. And then I want to see, you know, there's obviously not going to be such a big... Um, media storm maybe when the book gets released Mm -hmm. because then we're actually going to see that 
oh yeah like it wasn't all about these gossipy headlines and it was actually yeah like I really hope I really hope this book isn't just I mean he's so against the press and it is ironic that this book is now creating an insane amount of press which he would have known which he would have absolutely known and so now we're in this like royal media frenzy but I really hope that's for a reason yeah I know hope Hopefully this is the book that takes it down. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. There was a really interesting quote in an article talking about how the British people are going through a really deep recession. They're so badly misgoverned that they can't call an ambulance to a heart attack or a police to a burglary, catch a train or stretch their shrinking wages to pay for food and heat while public services are drained dry. Yet how easily we have succumbed to the great distraction of another instalment of the royal drama briefly diverting public anxiety and conveniently relieving pressure on the government. Yeah. Which kind of sums up yeah. this whole thing. Like, then, uh, yeah, like so the many government get a break issues. because we uh, we can't heat our homes, but like but we that will, tea is heating us up. That, literally, that like tea. we will happily spend yeah. our time and energy not trying to fix yeah. all of these huge societal issues that their day to day lives. Isn't that like because we as the public mm. need things to be able to get through that's, hard things? That, that's and it's so like true. If the government's wronging you, or if they're in a recession and you can't heat your home, yeah, and you have to find ways to get through. It's like Let the not to royal drama be that. all the blame, but it's <laughs> yeah. like us as people, there are so many things that we can't do that one thing we can do is like try to distract ourselves from you know yeah, what that, the government's doing to us. That is so valid. So, it's just it's just so funny where our attention goes I know, in life. I know. And this book really encapsulates that. God. Anyway. And, and honestly, I actually didn't know I had that many thoughts about it. I didn't know we could do a whole episode. Honestly, there's so much more you could say. And I'm sure that when we do read the book, like, we'll have so many more updates. Updates. We'll we'll come on and we'll give you an update. Yeah. We'll give you a, just a really brief, it won't be a whole episode. It'll be, look, I read it and, yeah, it had nothing of substance or it actually had good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but Liv, what's what's on your radar? So I did consume a few things mm-hmm. while I was in break. None of the music, but I read a few books. I read Homegoing, which was a Ruby recommendation. And I think you've talked about it on um, Culture Vulture. Yeah, before. I think I was reading it yeah. last time I was on Culture Vulture and I finished it. And honestly, it is so, so good. Like, I really want to read it. It's about the slave trade in Ghana. I think mm. I talked about this, but it gives you like all of these... The way that it affects generation after generation spans Mm. over like 300 years. And it just gave me a way deeper understanding of like racism in America and the consequences of slavery. And then it even kind of dabbles into like the opioid crisis Mm. and how like slavery really had a huge role in like why a lot of black people then turned to Mm -hmm. drugs and just where people are now in society because of slavery yeah, is really interesting. Um, I've started reading The Midnight Library by Matt Haig, oh. who yep. you might have seen it like on TikTok and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. I've he's, seen it everywhere. Yeah, yeah. He's like quite mental a health. mental health advocate. And like the right, I think going from homegoing where like the writing's really, really good, yeah. like beautiful sentence structure yeah. and all of that. The Midnight, the Midnight Library is a lot lighter, a lot easier reading the writing's not as good, but the concept is cool. So basically it's about this woman who's 35 who attempts to die by suicide. And instead of dying, she comes to the Midnight Library, which is like all of the lives she could have lived if she made different decisions. And so she has all of these huge regrets. Yeah, And she hates the way that her life has turned out and she's super lonely and all of that shit. And then she gets to experience all of these different lives she may have had. Mm. And like, and know that there is actually still different choices for her Still to different choices for her, but also that she shouldn't regret some of the choices she oh, made yeah. because that could have turned out worse than oh, it did. Oh, okay, okay. So it's a really cool concept. Yeah. I'm just wondering whether it's going to actually be executed mm. super well, but yeah. I'll see. I also um, I read, I started reading The Life on Our Planet, David Attenborough. Yeah book which is really good um so I'm kind of reading both of these sometimes I like to have a non-fiction and yeah. fiction going at the same time 
And then I watched the behind the scenes of the making of Our Planet, which was so interesting. Because have you watched Our Planet? Do you like David Attenborough? Um, it doesn't capture my attention in a way yeah. that I need it to be. So like, Yeah, so fair. It's really, I've just suddenly gotten a real interest yeah. in like that sort of stuff. I think it's like being in nature and stuff. Yeah. And the behind the scenes is just wild, like how they get the footage and like they live in a little Siberian hut for two yeah. years to get like this one, like one minute roll of footage of a Siberian tiger and things like that, like really. It's like meditation it's like slow yeah. like delayed gratification to like major the, it's so healthy yeah major <laughs> to like these to... people's jobs that they just are out in the bush for months and months to get 30 seconds mm. of footage which is so cool but yeah that's sort Love of that. what's all been on my radar what I've been consuming over the break what about you Luce I'm really quickly I wasn't even going to talk about these but I read well, read and I'm reading three really good books um, over the break. First one, Thursday Murder Club, mm-hmm. about a group of old people in a rest home that solve, they like to solve murders and they one lands on the doorstep and then they solve it and it makes you like not dread the thought of sort of getting old. It's really cute, really fucking good. Yeah. Next one is called Mad Honey by Jodie Picoult and Jennifer Finney. Just I haven't read Jodie Pickout since I was maybe 16 and it was just so fucking good and brought up really new and fresh ideas that Jodie hadn't done before because of this um, author that she co-wrote it with. And I can't really say much because there's a big plot twist and I feel like if I say anything else, even about the things, it'll give it away. And then, similar to what you were saying about Homecoming, Mm -hmm. um, I'm reading a book called House of Qua by a woman called Mimi Qua and it's about her family and four generations of her family and how um, the Japanese occupation of Hong Kong in particular has, like, sort of affected different generations and different people in their family, some in good ways, some in bad ways. And it's the same as you. It's like, I would never have learned about this, like, like unless something yeah. big happened in the news and yes. I was like, fuck, I have to. But it's just such a nice way to get perspective on lives that you would never live and it have really never. It really is. It's my favourite way to learn about things yeah. through fiction, books, yeah. or, yeah, mainly yeah. books. And then you go and you research yeah. kind of like the the non-fiction stuff yourself. Yes. And then it just, like, sticks in your brain so much easier. Better. And mm-hmm. I feel like I need to start – it's probably what I should do in my journal is, like, start actually taking some – Taking some notes, notes and, and writing some things down. Yeah. yeah, which is what I kind of did with um, my next recommendation, which is about Maddie Healy, that yeah. I want you to listen to, Liz. Because uh-huh. it's – and this is totally me getting, like it's, – it's how you get, you know – it's confirmation bias at its um, peak. It's like, I feel like me and Meta Healy could be friends because we think the same things and holy shit, I've never seen anyone in the public eye that thinks how I think or whatever. Yeah. It's exactly how I feel. So I think I recommended this to you, maybe in public, maybe in private. Um, his conversation with Stevie Nicks. Yes. Um, but this is another one with him and Brian Eno, who's a guy that was like, like a legend in like ambient music, which yeah. is super super like his realm like real inspiration to Maddie yeah and, and the whole podcast series is Maddie um interviewing his inspiration that's right and so it's super like if you've listened to notes on a conditional form uh, 1975 it's very like present there anyway so there's a few things that he said to Brian you know Brian you know said to him that I was just like live and I think about these all the time and I was shocked so this is something that um, we've talked about, we've had a podcast episode about it before, Jealousy versus Envy, and Matty said something that, this is more of a me thing, mm-hmm. and especially in business, um, I only find myself really liking something when I'm a little bit jealous of it, and oh. I am always like, especially in business, if I see someone that's written a fucking good newsletter, or has a like really good podcast, or is running their media company in a way that I'm like, oh, like, why can't we do that? I'm yeah. like, I'm only really into it when I'm like... When it's you... because I need to look into myself and see what part of that I'm not doing. Yes, it's like, and the constant pressure to progress as yes. well, and the constant pressure. Which is driven my capitalism, and that bit's not good for me. Yeah, but but it is. It keeps you moving. I think that's a very common thing as yeah. well. Like I do think that if you recognize it, and if you don't, what did we always say in the podcast about jealousy versus envy? If you don't weaponize these emotions, yeah, the, these emotions are here to teach you. Yeah. something like don't disregard these emotions yes they're uncomfortable to feel yeah people 
um, tend to judge themselves for feeling these emotions, which yeah. is what we've been taught to do. But actually, that's not helpful. Yeah. It's helpful to look into it. And be like, what am I what am I missing or what is like my next goal? And like then use it to inspire yeah. rather than like have this burning jealousy of yeah. this like horrible feeling of like I'm never going to be that good. Yeah. It's like I could be that good. Okay. Like, and so you've just perfectly caveated into the next thing I want to talk, you, talk to you about from yeah. this podcast, which you have to listen to. Um, it's about inspiration and how inspiration very rarely just hits you mm. they say this quote i think it they said it was um a picasso quote or he's like adapted it yeah. brian Eno. inspiration does happen but it has to catch you working yeah so it's like you if you're an artist like the time sharpening your pencils and like getting ready and practicing and stuff like you're not just constantly making the world's next masterpiece never like, you know and it's very as a creative, it's it's nice to hear that inspiration doesn't just strike people. It catches you working. Yeah, it, I think that's what holds so many people back from creating yeah. or even just doing the things yes. that they do want to do is that they think that they're only worthy of doing it if they're a really yeah. inspired person. Yeah. And it's like... Inspiration comes when you are when you, trying and when you are working and when you're ready, when yes. you're alert, like when you're ready to take things... When you're open, for sure. And it's the same with motivation, that whole thing about, like, you can't wait for motivation. Yeah, yeah. That's you never going to work. Yeah. You have to, like, you have to do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Brian, you know, he also said, you wouldn't trust an athlete who says, I never really run except for when there's a race. Yeah. Like, you, like it, it's like it's not so, hot takes, but it's yeah. so true. Inspiration only strikes you when you're working. Or a singer who says, um... I never really sing except for when it's a performance, which I know I kind of said earlier, but it's like we practice in the band. Like, yeah. You don't just be – you're not just able to do it. It's not just like amazing no. this one time. No, not at all. And then the last thing that – this is the real reason you need to listen to it, if mm. that didn't sell it enough for you, um, is about talent, sort of talent versus like readiness or talent versus Oh, this is something that's so interesting to me. And it's um, – like Maddie says, yeah, there might be an unequal distribution of natural talent in the world, but there is also an unequal distribution of readiness, like people that are like ready and willing to just work really, really hard. Mm. And Brian Eno says like the readiness thing, the openness thing, and like that's more important than a natural that's talent. That's how you get good at things. And yes, a natural talent might spark you to yes. be more ready and be more open. And there are prodigies and things like, there's me caveat. Yeah. But yeah. But like you can get good at stuff through yeah. work. And I think a lot of people just think that things are given to people who are quote unquote talented. Mm. And it's like, that's just not how it works. And yeah. then you're limiting yourself so much if you think you're not a talented person because it takes away so many amazing experiences that you could have and yeah. so many things that you could work towards. Yeah. And but- so they, they were talking about um, talent versus readiness. And then Brian Eno says um, he has always been told that he's lucky. Mm. And and then he says, um, I'm not like lucky because I was given a talent. He said, I'm lucky because I grew up in um, in England where yeah. I had healthcare and food. And he was like, that is where I'm lucky. But that's not what people are talking about. You know, there no. are these systemic things that some of us, us included, are born lucky in terms of Absolutely. We have things. the space to explore these things because we're not thinking about our next meal. Yeah. But he said, um, luck is being ready and luck is being open and luck is being alert and just like welcoming and trying and yeah I don't know I was just like I was like wow you think the exact same as me yeah. and live and that's such an exciting way to think about the world because it means that everything's if you're if you have that mindset of readiness then you can do what you want to do if you work at it like yeah. and that's exciting instead of being like I'm, I'm not just not naturally yeah. good at anything or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So everyone go and listen to it. It's only on Spotify. It's Maddie Healy for The Face magazine, and he in, um, interviews his legends, uh, his inspirations and, and legends. And, yeah, I don't know. It's just fucking cool. It's nah, just fucking I'll good. I'll definitely give that a listen. Yeah, you have yeah. to. I was, like, in my car, mind exploding because of how much I was, like, live. You're just like, I think listen. this. We talk about this. Like. And we totally just turned this podcast into me needing to tell Liv something real bad. <laughs> Which is why And like about us in yeah. terms of like about how we think. Oh well. Who fuck cares? Oh well. You you all seem to like it, eh? Yeah. Um but anyway, love. 
that's been a huge episode. Big episode. We've, I think we just obviously haven't had many of these conversations in private, so it's all just spilling out. I know. And Ruby, (laughs) thank you for editing all of this down. Thank you. Ruby is the silent hero of all of this. The other silent hero, Tiahe Butler, our dungeon master, bandmate, producer, bestie, all of the above. All of the above. Incredible. And Liv. Thank you. And thank you, Lucy. And we will be here next week. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.